Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this Black History Month finds you well, finds you content, and above all else, find all your bills paid. Now, some people laugh when I say things like bills being paid, but believe me when I tell you, Unpaid bills is a stressor, and stress will kill you. And do you know that a large percentage of the divorces between our people have a lot to do with their financial status? They say that money can't buy everything, but the one thing that it can buy is a peace of mind. Today, my friends, we're going to slip into darkness and I'm going to tell you the story of a great man. He was the father of the blood bank. He broke barriers in a racially divided America to become one of the most important scientists of the 20th century. His pioneering research and systematic developments in the use and preservation of blood plasma during World War II not only saved thousands of lives, but innovated the nation's blood banking process and standardized procedures for the long-term preservation and storage techniques adapted by the American Red Cross. So let's slip into darkness and bring about the story of Dr. Charles Richard Drew. A native Washingtonian, Drew was an average student, but a gifted athlete. Recruited in 1922 on a football and track and field scholarship by Amherst College in Massachusetts. He was one of only 13 African Americans in a student body of 600, where racial climate exposed him to hostility from opposing teams. His own football team passed him over as captain his senior year, even though he was the team's best athlete. Beyond sports, Drew didn't have a clear direction until a biology professor critiqued his interest in medicine. Like many other fields, medicine was largely segregated, greatly limiting education and career options for African Americans. For Drew, the narrowed road would lead him to McGill University College of Medicine in Montreal. There he distinguished himself, winning the annual scholarship prize in neuroanthropy and becoming elected to the Medical Honor Society Alpha Omega Alpha and staffing the McGill Medical Journal. And let me tell you, he also won the J. Francis Williams Prize in Medicine after beating the top five students in an exam competition. And in 1933, Drew received his M.D. and C.M. Master of Surgery degrees, graduating second in a class of 137. 
Now, Drew's interest in transfusion medicine began during his internship and surgical residency at Montreal Hospital from 1933 to 1935, working with bacteriology professor John Beatty on ways to treat shock with fluid replacement. And Drew also aspired to continue training in transfusion therapy at the Mayo Clinic, but racial prejudice at major American medical centers barred black scholars from their practices. He would instead join the faculty at Howard University College of Medicine, starting as a pathology instructor and then progressing to surgical instructor and chief surgical resident at Freedman's Hospital. In 1938, while earning a doctorate at Columbia University, Drew won a fellowship to train at Presbyterian Hospital in New York with eminent surgeon Alan Whippy. Instead of following the traditional path of residence to gain experience in surgical pathology and bacteriology, surgical laboratory research, outpatient clinic, operating rooms, and surgical wards, Whippy assigned Drew to work under John Scudder, who was granted funding to set up an experimental blood bank. This would prevent him from privileges afforded to his white peers, especially direct access to patients. Scudder considered his protege naturally great, with a brilliant pupil, and Whippy would later be won over by Drew's talent supporting both his surgical training and doctoral research. Drew and Scudder focused their research on diagnosing and controlling shock, fluid balance, blood chemistry, preservation, and transfusion. The work on which he based his seminal dissertation, Banked Blood, a study of blood preservation. The thesis also made him the first African-American to earn a medical doctorate from Columbia. Scudder remarked that the thesis was a masterpiece and one of the most distinguished essays ever written, both in form and content. In the midst of the Blood for Britain project, Drew passed the American Board of Surgical Exams. In surgical circles, Drew's performance on the oral part of the exam, in which he confidently lectured his examiners about fluid balance and management of shock, became as legendary as his athletic feats had been at Amherst. And he later returned to Howard briefly, but was called back to continue supervising the Blood for Britain program. When the program ended in January 1941, Blood for Britain collected 14,500 blood donations and shipped via the Red Cross over 5,000 liters of plasma saline solution to England. 
The program became a model for the Red Cross pilot program to mass produce dried plasma in New York in February 1941, with Drew as assistant director and later for the National Blood Donor Service. Among his innovations were blood mobiles, mobile blood donation trucks with refrigerators. The work sealed his reputation as a pioneer and earned him the title Father of the Blood Bank. Ironically, the Red Cross excluded African Americans from donating blood, making Drew himself ineligible to participate in the very program he established. That policy was later modified to accept donations from blacks. However, the institution upheld racial segregation of blood, which throughout the war Drew openly criticized as unscientific and insulting to African Americans. In October 1941, Drew returned to Howard University, where he remained for the next nine years serving as head of the Department of Surgery and Chief of Surgery at Freedman's Hospital. His mission was to train young African-American surgeons who would meet the most rigorous standards in any surgical specialty and place them in strategic positions throughout the country where they could, in turn, nurture the tradition of excellence. This, he believed, would be his greatest and most lasting contribution to medicine. He also campaigned against the exclusion of black physicians from local medical societies, medical specialty organizations, and the American Medical Association. Charles Richard Drew died tragically in North Carolina on April 1, 1950 after falling asleep while driving to a conference. He was given a blood transfusion at an all-white hospital, but succumbed to the injuries. The story goes the car went off the road and into a field where it cartwheeled several times. And the other people in the car had minor injuries, but Drew's foot got caught beneath the brake pedal and his leg was horribly mangled. Now, there are stories in the cultural fabric of this country that Drew died because he was denied a transfusion that would have saved his life, but that is just urban legend. His legacy of commitment to creating strong, knowledgeable health care professionals lives on in a small private university in California. In 1966, as a way to combat poor access to health care for African Americans and as part of the civil rights movement to promote equality, the Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science was established. So, my friends, the next time you hear about a blood drive or give any blood products or drive by a Red Cross, you are looking at the enduring legacy of one of America's genius African-American physicians. And I quote, While one must grant 
at once that extraordinary talent, great intellectual strength, and unusual opportunities are necessary to break out of this prison of the Negro problem. We believe that the Negro in the field of physical science has not only opened a small passageway to the outside world, but is carving a road in many untrod areas along which later generations will find it more easily to travel. The breaching of these walls and the laying of this road has not been and is not easy. Charles Richard Drew, rest in peace, my brother, and never worry about your story being untold. Because I hope that after today, whenever an African-American goes by the Red Cross or spots the mobile blood mobile, I hope they think about you. Because I, for one, will. Well, my friends, that music tells me that it is once more that time. But before I depart this day from you, I have one more message to give you. And that is... The next level of your life will demand a different version of you. So work for a cause, not for an applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your present noticed. Make your absence felt. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor. Peace to my ancestors and my elders, for I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. <laughs>